0: Bruce On this video, we are going to explore the topic, should celebrity preachers consider becoming content creators instead? We're going to look at all of the scriptures tied around this. I'm going to give you guys my personal story in terms of how i became a content creator but before we do any of that guys my name is ruslan if you check the links in the description there's some amazing free resources including a free how to study the bible course over at mastermydevo.com giving you more consistent clarity context for life changing your devotional and a free niche training if you're looking to get into the youtube space as well as a master my habits course with my therapist some of you guys don't know this but before i was doing youtube full-time I was on staff at my church. I spent about two years on staff at my church doing everything from the content creation of the Sunday morning services in terms of the live streaming component there, in terms of helping with sermon prep, communicating a couple times a year, as well as running a young adults ministry called King's Dream Live, oddly enough. And Uh, I, I, I love the time. It was some of the the most challenging work that I've ever done. And it was also some of the most fulfilling work that I've ever done. And so when I was on staff at my church, I hit this really interesting crossroads, if you will, which is going to tie into the conversation of celebrity preachers and content creation. I was a creative and an artist who was functioning within the roles and the institution of a local church. And I was doing music at the time. Some of you guys might remember, I have a company called King's Dream Entertainment. It's an LLC. And at the time, it was primarily functioning as a record company of sorts. We were primarily putting out music. Now we put out content and merch and do all kinds of stuff. But at the time, it was primarily music. So I wanted to have our king's dream music label that was primarily about creative stuff under the umbrella of our local church called the movement and i thought okay if i go on staff at the church this will be kind of an on-ramp and we can make music up for the market from the local context of the church primarily hip-hop music And that was my heart. We also had an entire ministry called King's Dream Live. So remember, it's King's Dream Entertainment. That's the music side. And then we had King's Dream Live, which was a young adults ministry we met on Sunday nights. And we would get, I don't know, 70, 80, 100 people sometimes on a Sunday night. Uh, We were kind of fusing different genres of music for worship. And I or my buddy Daniel Golding, who actually went on to be a Speaking pastor, one of the fastest growing churches in America. We're doing the bulk of the teaching. We'd also host concerts. We do stuff like bring out I don't know the humble beast guys. We did a, a big concert with Andy Minio and Jr. and Genetics and a whole bunch of people. So this is like 2000, end of 2012 into 2014. This went for about a year, and it was fun. It was challenging, but I kind of found myself. In the role of a pastor, if you will. So I would hear all of the drama that people were going through. I would have to deal with people dating people within the ministry that were serving together. Sometimes you could see the train wreck coming and you would tell people, and then they would get mad at you because you told them something that was true, but they felt like you were controlling them. And it was. It was messy, if I'm honest with you guys. It was messy. And when you're in a position where you're overseeing a ministry, and this isn't even a church, this is just a church within a church, really, a young adult's church. I got all, I heard about all of it. I heard all about all of it. And a lot of times, I wasn't the most gentle, I wasn't the most patient, I wasn't the most uh, considerate. I, I'll be very uh, firm and direct with people, and it, it wasn't a good fit. <laughs> it wasn't a good fit. And the truth is, we also didn't have a ton of support from the the broader church, not from a really a mentorship standpoint in terms of, hey, room dynamics, how to fill a room, what room should we be in, how do we grow this thing? And there wasn't a ton of support there either. And what was interesting about this entire thing, Daniel Golding, who was a part of the ministry, ended up going on to be a young adults pastor at a ministry called North Point out of the Phoenix, Arizona area, Gilbert area. And that ministry within a year exploded to like 500 people because the church put resource around it. So same communicator, much more seasoned leader, exploded ministry, and we just struggled for a year. We struggled, man. It was hard work showing up, all volunteers, no real resource towards it. And what I found is that in all of this, I just threw a whole bunch at you, but in all of this, me trying to bring the the entertainment side on board, me trying to lead a young adults ministry. In all of this, what I found was I wasn't in my sweet spot and I was sitting in a place where I thought I had to fit into a specific institutional framework of how my gifting could work. I knew that I can communicate. I knew that I could share the gospel. I knew that I can lead and start things, uh, but I didn't quite fit into how that would work within a local church. So that looked like me going on staff at a church and really giving this thing a go and we did it for about i don't know a year year and a half something like that and, and then we just we just kind of ended it it was just like it's just too much this, this doesn't make sense it takes way too much time headspace, so on and so forth and we shut it down it was hard why am i telling you guys this i'm telling you guys this because i've been firsthand in a position where i've experienced what it's like to be a creative to be someone that that Loves the local church and wants to see God reach people through the local church. But the gifting and the skill set that I had at the time didn't quite fit within the context of a local church. And so when I see the landscape and I see what I'm doing now with YouTube of getting able to react to things you guys want me to react to, put together Bible studies, share my story, so on and so forth. Now that I get to see now, and then I see a lot of these other guys who are celebrity preachers. And there's a big difference between being a preacher who happens to be a celebrity or a pastor who happens to be a celebrity and an actual celebrity pastor, someone that's trying to get, actively get book deals and trying to build their social media following, right? There's a difference there. When I see that, when I see that, I go, man, If these guys were starting now, if they were all 10 years younger, it's very likely that many of them would have looked at the landscape and the new opportunities and expressions that YouTube has allowed for guys like me that don't fit into the conversation to use their gifting without... Fitting into a specific institution of a church. And I'm going to show you guys some 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 different points of what a church is. And we're going to look at some scriptures and all that kind of stuff, right? And so when I make these statements, they aren't coming from a place of judgment. They're coming from a place of there's a lot of people, myself included, that were on the right bus, but in the wrong seat. And because so much of celebrity culture and social media is charisma driven, Clout driven, it's charm driven that we've looked away and allowed people to be in positions that weren't quite their sweet spot because they could do a few things really well. But were they called to be a local church pastor? And I can tell you right now, I was not. <laughs> okay. And so we're going to look over what those definitions are. And some people say, yeah, called, called. Okay. How do we know if someone's called? You got to look at what the scriptures say. You don't get to just decide you're called and and someone else doesn't get to decide you're called. There's actual requirements of what a local church pastor is supposed to do, how they're supposed to function, right? And then there's stuff outside of that. And so first passage is out of Ephesians chapter two, verse, uh, verse 11. And this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, and he he himself gave some, Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity in the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Man to be uh, to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man in the cunning craft uh, craftiness or deceitful plotting okay so Jesus gives some to be apostles gives some to be prophets some to be evangelists some to be pastors and some to be teachers okay what well, for what for what why For the equipping of the saints, the equipping of the saints, this is here's telling you what the function of the church is, for the work of ministry or meeting needs for the edifying of the body of Christ, equipping the saints for the work of ministry so that we can edify the body of Christ. Okay? Till we all come to the unity and the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a, a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here is what the role of a local ministry is for. Okay? It is to equip the saints to do the ministry so that the body of Christ can be edified. Not so that any one personality can be edified. No, not so that you can laugh and have fun. Not so that so, so that someone else can uh, uh, do something that goes viral. The, the role of the local church is this. Equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? We are saints if we're in Christ Jesus. For what? For the work of the ministry. We are supposed to go do and do the work of the ministry. Not the pastor. Oh, y'all think the pastor is supposed to do everything. No, no, no. The saints are equipped to do the work of the ministry so that we may come to unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, so that we may come to unity and grow in the faith and in what the perfect Son of Man is to the measure of the stature of the fullness, okay? So here, he's telling you, here's the role of the local church. Now, I wanted to go in, and and I wanted to check this out, and I said, okay, what is this role, what is this word here for pastor, Because the word here for pastors in the original Greek is here, and this word translates closer to a herdsman or a shepherd, he to whose care and control others have committed themselves to and the precepts they follow, okay? The presiding officer, manager, director of assemblies, so of Christ, the head of the church, of the overseer of the Christian assemblies, okay? So a pastor is someone that is a herdsman. He is a shepherd. Okay, it's not just someone that can preach. It's not just someone that can give you a good talk. It's not someone with a big personality. Okay, some people would say I could do all of those. I am probably more in line of a teacher, evangelist, communicator. Okay, but people who are pastors, this is the definition. Herdsman, a shepherd. Okay, let's go to another passage. It's 1 Timothy 5 the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, this is now an elder pastor. He desires a noble task. Okay. So, so, so here's what an elder is supposed to be. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, ah, able to teach. Interesting. That's another gifting. Now that this overseer has to have, he has to be also be able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must what he must what? He must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into the disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Boom. So here is telling us the outline of what the requirements of an elder overseer are. So I looked up that word um, as well. And this word is slightly different. An overseer, a man charged with the duty of overseeing the things to be done by others uh, are done rightly. And any curator or guardian or superintendent. Okay, so this is now an overseer of a church. So a local pastor... And an overseer, usually churches have a local pastor, overseer. This is different than the gift of a teacher. This is different than the gift of an evangelist. This is different than an apostolic church planting gift. This is someone that's over and and caring for the people. Okay? So here lies the difference between what a pastor and an influencer is. A pastor is going to be primarily looked at. What is their character? Are they above reproach? What is their character? An influencer is going to be more about their charisma. Are they charming? Are they charismatic? Are they funny? For a pastor, all of those things are secondary. There's a lot of pastors that are great pastors that don't got a ton of charisma. They just, they can they could, they could teach you the Bible. They could love on you. They could shepherd you. Don't got a ton of charisma. But we know there's a lot of influencers who got a ton of charisma that don't have a ton of character. Okay? A pastor primarily goal, primarily goal of a local church pastor is about people. That's what a local church pastor is there to do. He is there to shepherd the people. Influencers about progress, about the new thing that they're going to do. It's a new launch. It's a new thing, right? A pastor is a shepherd. That's what they're, that's what they're consuming. An influencer is concerned about success. Pastors here to shepherd you and influencers primarily objective is about success. A pastor is a call. An influencer is a career. <laughs> uh, a pastor eventually becomes an elder and an influencer is more of a creator. There's nothing wrong with being an influencer, but the the, the objectives are different. The, the, the measurement and the scale for success is different. Okay? In the context of the local church, this is what we run into. And this is, the, from my experience, and I would say this is a, a reflection of the institutional local church. Within the context of a local church, it doesn't always have room for creatives. You may be highly creative. You may have great ideas. You may be evangelistic, but it doesn't always have room for people that are creative. So what happens? People who are creative are then forced to fit into a mold that may not be for them. Okay. In my case, I was a creative. I tried to fit my way into being a pastor it was messy, it was hurtful, and I wasn't in my sweet spot. And I'm so glad and so grateful that I found YouTube. I'm so glad and so grateful that I, that, that, that I learned how to be an entrepreneur and provide for myself. Okay? The church has specific, uh, uh, specific ordinances or God-ordained things for ceremony. Right? This, the church has specific things it's supposed to do. Communion, baptism, corporate worship. Okay? The creative needs the church. But sometimes the church can misuse the creative. Sometimes the church doesn't have a place for the creative. Sometimes the church can pimp out the creative. Sometimes the church can not properly compensate the creative. And and there can be this tension between the creative and the local church. This happens all the time, right? And so when we see the landscape of people who are holding the title of pastor. And I just say, I just tell you, hey, let's go back to the scriptures. Just look at what the requirements are. Don't take my word for it. Look at what the requirements are. Okay? Point in elders and every time I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery and surmination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. Now, last part. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give what instruction and sound doctrine. And also rebuke those who contradict it. Hmm. So you got to ask yourself, when you're looking at these celebrity preachers, do they meet these requirements? Again, there's a difference between being a pastor who becomes a celebrity and being a celebrity pastor. Are these guys, are these guys uh, a one woman man? Husband to one wife, above reproach. Are they children believers? There's a lot of pastors out here having scandals and, and, and yet they're continuing to pastor. I don't that, that help make that make sense for me. Hospitable, self-controlled, hmm, disciplined. Okay? So so if we just look at that definition, not my definition. You can miss me with the oh, he's called. Okay. Does he meet those requirements? Does he meet those requirements? Is he teaching sound doctrine and giving a defense when people rebuke and what can, can he rebuke people when they contradict it? Maybe the goal is you're more of a creative and you're more of a content creator and you're more of an influencer than you are a local pastor based on the scriptures. I didn't make it up. Paul said it. And so we have a bunch of celebrities who I I think generally mean well, generally are trying to exercise their gift well. However, the logical conclusion is if you look around, you can kind of communicate. You're charismatic. You're funny. People flock to you. You may not meet all these other requirements. Well, somebody's going to tell you you're called to be a pastor, so now you're just thrown into a, a position that you're not really walking in your sweet spot. This is as someone who tried it, went down that path, and it, and it was not helpful. And when I when I make these statements, what it should do, it should do, it should make you it should make you value local church pastors more. I'm not saying don't listen to whoever some folks you you need to not listen to because they're teaching you some nonsense but generally speaking it should make you value your local church pastor more the, the pastor that god forbid something happens to you who's going to show up to the hospital who's going to marry you who's going to bury your loved ones everybody don't need to be a pastor everybody that's smart and funny and charismatic don't don't need to be a local pastor just like everybody who can make a little bit of music don't need to be a worship leader I know that oftentimes within the institutions of the church, that is where people are forced into one of those, one of those roles. You do music, worship, bam. You got a call. God called you to do worship. What if he didn't call you to do worship? You, you got to You're funny, you're charismatic, you got a speaking gift. Boom. You're a pastor. Huh? Are people being shepherded? Are people growing in truth? Do people know the, the basics of the faith? Right? Are people growing? I talked about this yesterday on the three types of knowledge. Um, do people do people know Jesus and and like are growing in those three types of knowledge? Propositional, explicit knowledge, knowing the text. What does the scripture say? What are the basics of the gospel? Do they know how to apply it to their life? Are they? Are, is there implementation of? Oh man, I struggle with sexual sin. Now I'm applying this and I'm and I'm breaking free of this sin, right? And then does it become transformative and personal? Do you know Jesus? Do you not just know scripture and do you not just know how to live, but do you know the, the giver of all life? And so there are certain ministries that, you know, hey, they may have a charismatic leader and they have other people that, that that do this shepherding for them. I understand that. I understand it's different formats, all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, if it's all about a show and it's not about a person-to-person connection and there's no elders, there's, there's no accountability, I used to I used to really enjoy Stephen Furtick, back in the day, ten years ago. But there, there's not a ton of accountability when he jumps out the window and says something crazy like "I am God Almighty." There should have been an instant apology. I'm sorry. I misspoke. You know what I mean? Don't be under no illusions when you keep seeing these things happen repeatedly. Yes, yeah, Stephen Furtick said "I am God Almighty." Maybe it was a slip of the tongue. Maybe he really believes in little God theology. He went to a rather conservative. Uh, uh, seminary or Bible college. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know where he's at. Back, you know, the Mike Todd saying, oh, you can't get divorced even if your husband beats you, even if he hits you. Whoa, Jesus didn't reach his full potential. What? God forbid the the the, the worst examples of this is when you start seeing what happens with the Carl Lynch, where it becomes all about clout and all about celebrity. If we don't want that, we have to be mindful that we don't enable cultures and institutions that position and give people limitless power, limitless authority, no accountability, no elders, no one to check them, and they can continue doing whatever it is that they're doing and never having to be held accountable for this. And we keep clicking into it because they're charismatic and funny and all these different things. So when people criticize your favorite charismatic personality, be open to what the criticism is. Be, be, be okay with, okay, this ain't the first time he put loogies into his brother's face. And I'm praying that these brothers would, would get a hold of this idea and start making adjustments. That's really my heart. But this Moses motto, top-down, God told me how to do this church, and if you don't get a line, like there's some mafia boss, like they're the Steve Jobs of church— I don't know about, I don't know about all that, man. That's, that sounds really out of pocket. So anyway, my opinion, but I, but I also have a bias and I, guys, this channel, this channel, I know this video may not have a gang of views right now, but this channel last month reached 500,000 unique viewers. Okay, my little rinky dink YouTube channel that in a condo that I rent next door from my house, I'm in a living room. There's a kitchen right there, okay? This channel reached 500,000 unique visitors. We did 1.4 million views last month. Look at the ROI. If someone's consumed with reaching people for Jesus, I don't know how you look at this and you go, I'd rather go plant a church. If you're if you're gifting and your goal, <laughs> if you're gifting in your goals, I want to reach people. I want to reach as many people. I want to reach as many people. I want to impact as many people. I want to encourage as many people. I want to help as many people get saved. If that's your goal, I don't know how anybody looks at numbers like that, looks at the upside of the visibility, how little it costs, the upside of the financial side of AdSense, and goes, no, I, I, I'd rather go start a local church. Like, mm? So so historically I think folks didn't know this existed cuz it hasn't existed because 10 years ago saying I'm going to be a YouTuber wasn't a thing and so you got folks that didn't know this existed and they're talented and they're creative and they're entrepreneur like I am and so then they went over here and they did the logical thing and it doesn't make them bad people it just means that if they knew this existed they probably would have done that and if you're a pastor I think you should still do this now. I think Mike Todd should have a Sunday morning quarterback uh, live stream every Monday, going over the message and cleaning up anything he needs to clean up or a verdict or whatever. I think there's so much value here that to just have a one Sunday morning dog and pony show of a production that requires who knows how many staff, how many people, how how many how much money and resource and electricity when you could sit and have a little studio and do it. Yes, absolutely, I think everybody should do that. Absolutely, and yes, I believe that if these brothers were showing up to the scenes now, 2019, 2020, yes, I believe they would look at this and if they understood the ROI and if they had folks in their life that were YouTubers who could show you the measurable ROI and what it takes, there was a whole new landscape and a whole new way of doing things that wasn't available to Ferdick when he planted that church. That wasn't available to Carl Lentz when he got positioned to be the, 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 the pastor of Hillsong, New York. That wasn't available to Mike Todd. This didn't exist five years ago, let alone 10 years ago. And I think if if this if they knew this was an option, my prediction is they would have jumped all over it. And I think you will see more folks jump all over it. and they will, And it will come with way less drama way less opportunities to misspeak or to have an illustration go wrong or what have you. That's my opinion. King Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. Check out some of the links in the description for some free resources like a Master my devo how to study the Bible course, master my habits course I put together with my Christian therapist, and a free niche training if you're looking to get into the Christian creator space and look at some of these other videos recommended from me and YouTube to you. All right? Peace.